The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hey Adam, it's Red Dwarf time. Hell yeah it is, Phil. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome to Everybody's Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf review podcast where I, Phil, and... Me, Adam. Talk about Red Dwarf, go through every episode one by one mm-hmm. and review them. That's uh, right. I am a long-term fan. Adam is brand new. How how long can I... How long... Uh, did we say this? How long can I still use the brand well, new... Well, <laughs> you're brand new to every episode we review. Technically true, yes, yeah. Your brand, you've, you've now been watching for six series. I have, yes. Or, or yeah. we're into the sixth series. Yeah. But you are still brand new to every episode we come to. So uh, this, this is, is your correct. very first yes. time watching it. Two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And we are up to uh, series six, episode two, Legion. Yes. Yeah. In which lots Starbuck, to say on this one. <laughs> yeah, lots to say. Um, in which Starbuck is taken over by a tractor beam which takes them to a deep space station where the crew discover Legion, a life form conceived from an experiment by famous scientists. But they soon learn that Legion is not exactly what he first appears. I won't say any more thing more yet. I mean, I'm assuming everybody's <laughs> watched the episode, but... Just but, in case. Just, in, just case. in case. You never know. You never know. You never yeah. know. So uh, we start the episode and we get a little update on the hunt for Red Dwarf. Um, I really like the fact that they're continuing this thread throughout the whole series. And I couldn't, like, I, I we know, as I said, I've watched this many times before, several watch throughs of Red Dwarf in my life. But I couldn't quite remember how much they kept referencing the fact that they were chasing Red Dwarf. Um, and it's, you know, it's not a massive big plot point, but they kind of, Book, it bookends the episode of this one. They re- reference it at the beginning and they reference it at the end. And they are, at this point, 24 hours behind Red mm. Dwarf, apparently. So they say. So I like I like the fact that they, they keep referencing it. It feels like a bit of a story arc, which is not something we've had in Red Dwarf before. Yeah, I think... Uh, I do like the story arc aspect, but I've got to be honest, Phil. I mean, we'll, we'll give our thoughts. But the first, like, three, four... Until... Until the uh, they go to the station where Legion's on, the first few minutes uh, wasn't really doing much for me this time around. Like I didn't think much of the the gags, like the the scene in the kitchen and then with Cat in the cockpit. There was only one I did like was the licorice all sorts gag. It says oh it's yeah it's like the, we've still got the licorice all sorts, the little black twisty things nobody likes. I like the black twisty things. I would have eaten them. Um, but that made yeah, because they're doing a bit of a shift swap, which I'm guessing because they are pursuing Red Dwarf, they have to be, uh, you know, two of them are on duty at all times. So they've got a shift pattern going, uh, which is time I think we've really had them like being an organized crew with like designated jobs to do and yeah. things um rimmer must be loving it yeah. loving all the organization he's got and the a chart order, which he's gonna have to a chart him. he's gonna have a razor definitely it's gonna be on the fridge he's that housemate you know when you live in a big house at uni and it's like right when someone's like i've made a cleaning rotor and it's like all oh, right okay so he's definitely that housemate but um absolutely yeah it will, I, I it will be color coded and it will have taken him three weeks to make three weeks just like his revision timetables used to absolutely but um 
Uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. I felt the energy was a bit down. Um, and yeah, as I said, I don't know. Just uh, it just wasn't doing it for me those first few minutes. I don't know why. Yeah, they. It was okay. I, I don't think I minded it as much as as maybe it sounds like you did. But they, yeah, because we had the jokes about the food and the lack of food and the fact that Crichton was cooking a space weevil. Um, yeah. And that the the water had been recycled so much it tasted like Dutch lager, which I think is a bit harsh on Dutch lager. Yeah, Dutch lager's lovely. I mean, I'm not much of a lager drinker myself, especially not these days. In fact, I can't <laughs> remember the last time I had a lager. <laughs> uh, but I have been to Holland and sampled right. the Dutch lager there and particularly fond of an Amstel. Yes, not sponsored, like but, Amstel, you know, if Amstel, if you want to sponsor us, you know. Can you imagine sponsored by Amstel? Nah, great pie of Amstel. Yeah, so but what they got against Dutch Lager? I know. I did like some other gags. I like the memory quiz gag, you know, when um, Crichton serves the uh, the weevil to him and he pulls that, he's like, oh, is something wrong? He's like, yeah, there is. And he's like, someone's filled in the, the memory quiz uh, part of the magazine and there's that whole gag about it was him and he can't remember. I thought that was pretty funny. Um but yeah, I just I, I'm 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 trying to summarize it. It wasn't I didn't find those first few minutes bad. It just felt like I guess at this point, having watched it from the beginning, you know, one a week or whatever, it just felt very maybe like run of the mill at this point. If that makes sense, not bad. Yeah. But it's just like oh, we're just getting a few gags of them doing whatever before the main event happens, sort of thing, which is fine. But I don't know. I just um, maybe I wasn't in the right mood for it. I don't know. It was just yeah, but. Yeah. There's another space directive gag in this section as well. Um, are you? There is, how are you feeling yeah. about the space directive gags? Because they've started to become a reoccurring thing. Are they outstanding? They have. They're welcome. Are you still finding them funny? Or um, I am still finding them funny, but I feel at this point because they were was it was in the first that we first heard them in the oh no in the quarantine yes. episode wasn't it of series five and then in series six so far the first time it's been every episode. So I'm all for them staying as long as like the gags at the end of them are good. I feel for me, at least just as for my viewing habits again, folks, just my opinion. But for my viewing habits, if we get a space directive, one where it's not got a good gag or one that I don't find funny, then I'll really feel it. it's like, OK, you know, we're, we're done with this now. Do you know what I mean? It's like keeping the it's that whole thing of keeping the joke fresh in comedy. And of course, there'll be some people who will love every single joke that comes out of it. But um yeah, I don't know. Just knowing me as a viewer, if there's one dud, that might be it for me with the space. Ah, I see. Um, and this, this, I really, I actually liked the ending. This. No, I liked it. I liked it. But that's what made me think. I was like, see, I like that one. But I was like, I'm hearing them more often. And I just thought in my head, it's like, if we get one where I'm not chuckling at the end of it, then in my mind, I'll, I'll have like, a, ah, right. Okay. Maybe we need to give it a rest. Maybe not gone forever. Because I think it's a good joke, especially for Rimmer. But yeah, I just think if they're going to use it this much as we go forward, the gags need to be good, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, one other moment that is uh, potentially one of the most quoted, I think, bits of Red Dwarf <laughs> is also in this section. It is. Uh, uh, do you, not going going into this fresh to Red Dwarf, do you know what I'm talking about? I believe you're talking about the, the light bulb gag. Step up to Red Alert. Sir, are you absolutely sure? It does mean changing the bulb. The light bulb gag, absolutely. See, I, it sparked me. This is one of very few bits of Red Dwarf I already, I knew about before we even started this show. Um, because and we've talked about this since. There was an uh, a clip for Red Dwarf Night back in 1998, I think, where 
It's that little skit. There's two Daleks uh, that pop up and they chat about Red Dwarf and they mention this light bulb gag. And then I think they play the gag on the telly. Oh, of course. Yes. And I saw, I mean, we talked about it like privately. I know you shared it to me and uh, you never know, folks coming in the future. Then we might do a little collab on that. But um, I'd seen that clip like, you know, years and years ago on like on the Internet, you know, as you do when you go down like a YouTube rabbit hole. But I didn't really know what Red Dwarf was. I was in it for the Daleks, you know. I didn't really know what what they were talking about. But I just remember that scene because they say, oh, you know, the light bulb gag in series six. That was really funny, wasn't it? You know, so now now I understand, folks. Now I understand what they were talking about. And you know what? It is a good gag. It's re- it's set up really well. Uh, Crichton's delivery is brilliant. It's just, yeah standout moment and i think it only works so well because of that i mean it does work really well by itself if you just take that clip but it works even better with the bit because it's been set up just a few minutes before with the blue alert alert and and the fuss over the getting the blue alert like god why do we need the blue alert we're all here and and the fact that rimmer is like no i really want the blue alert it's professionalism and stuff um and, and with that extra setup it makes the joke even sweeter i think Yes, yeah, I agree. It's just as soon as they mentioned the uh the blue alert thing, I was like, "Oh, is this the one with the light bulb?" Because I remembered they'd said series six, and then sure enough, it was. But it didn't ruin the payoff or bill for me at all. I still thought it was great. So yeah, just nice to nice to hear it finally. Nice to hear it in action. But yeah, it was good. Cat's got a bit of a reoccurring joke in this episode as well about being deader than certain fashion trends that comes up a couple of times. That's it. We're deader than tank tops. Yeah, that was some of his better gags, I think, because obviously Kat's all about the fashion and the style, and he, like you say, brings up things that are quite, in some cases, quite rightly dead. Um, all the, uh, like tank tops and, what was it, flared trousers with pockets in the knee, like ridiculous things. And yeah, they're, they're just some, I think they're just better written for Cat, you know, compared to some of the other gags we've heard him say over the past five six series so yeah and yeah. i think with cat is this is the series where he especially i mean i've definitely noticed it in the last two episodes where he is feeling like part of the crew it feels like a proper crew now where cat has yes. a purpose and a reason to be there we've got him you know driving basically the starbug and using his sniffing sense to predict when things are going to come that aren't showing up on monitors and things uh, so he seems like he has a purpose to be there a bit yeah. more than he has done in previous seasons. And the jokes uh, seem to be also, uh, just, there's just much more for him to do. He gets more involved than uh, he even has in the last few seasons where he has, because I mean, compared to season one and two, he definitely was a lot more involved in series three, four and five as well than he was yes. in those first yeah. two series. But here, I think it stepped up another bit again. Mm. Yeah, it, it, I say that there's more of this connection now, and I think it's partly this plot device we're going with. You know, the whole, we're not on Red Dwarf anymore, they're like isolated. They kind of rely on each other, really. They have to, because it's sort of all they've got. And I know Red Dwarf's not the kind of shirt, well, it might do, but I highly doubt we're going to get into like the dramatic side of that, you know, like the emotional side of it. But that's still the, I'd argue that's still the scenario for them. You know, as characters, they need each other at this point, because they're all isolated together, so... Yeah, I think maybe that helps that that sort of feel that you said about it feeling more like a crew where everyone has like a role and something to do, really. Yeah. Um, so they they Kat does pick up this thing um, with his senses and 
they try and contact it initially. Uh, Rimmer tries to contact it and he gives it starts this big sort of grandiose, like I'm the acting commander of star, uh, Jupiter mining corporation yes. vessel Starbug, And he's like, sounds like he's going to make a stand. And then, uh, the, again, this is Chris Barry being absolutely brilliant in the way he delivers lines. He just suddenly like goes now hear this because it's only coming once. <laughs> we surrender totally without condition. Thank you. Guys for Oh, additional. Sorry to take up your valuable time. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. Bye. Bye. Sorry. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Again, typical Rimmer as well. Like, of course he, of course he'd surrender. Yeah. And then he makes a thing up to, to the others about saying that, you know, in previous lives, he's sure he was a, a soldier in every incarnation. But unfortunately, <laughs> this time he's been put into the body of a coward. <laughs> Yes, but my favorite gag from that was when he when he started saying this is on all frequencies and like uh, frequencies and languages, including Welsh. <laughs> the, poor, the poor Welsh. Now I'm half Welsh, so I'm allowed to make that joke. Um, the poor Welsh always get a hard time when it comes. The Welsh language is a beautiful language, folks. I highly recommend giving it a listen. Um, but yeah, you know, the, when it comes to language, the Welsh always get bashed around a bit. So I was sort of like an ironic chuckle I had. I was like, ah, oh, there it is. There's the Welsh gag. So, but yeah, I found that quite funny. But they do find this spaceship, uh, this space base they type do. place and uh, beam across to a, what is clearly a, a very, filmed in a sort of office building with very nice glass elevators and things. <laughs> I was going to say, is this, I was, I put, is this like an office, a university, like somewhere very, somewhere that's definitely not the BBC warehouse, but uh, just backtracking a few seconds, you know, when they see the, they avoid like the flash in the sky and then when they get brought aboard the ship or whatever it is. Oh yes. I couldn't, now I was watching this one on BritBox and I, I believe you were as well. Yeah. I couldn't tell whether we were seeing some model work, I mean more for the station, I couldn't tell if we were seeing some model work or some very early example of CG. I did pause it to have like a look when you got like the shot. And in my head, I was like, it could, in my mind, it could actually be either. Mm. Like I couldn't quite put my, because 1993 CG would have been feasibly possible. But then I'm thinking for a BBC, you know, budget back then, surely not. It looked quite good. So I'm partly tempted to say it was a mod. But you know what I mean? It, It was the first time where... For me, at least watching, I was like, oh, I can't quite tell what that is there. I'd have to like, yeah. look into it further. But And the bit where the uh, it gets, Starbug gets enveloped in this kind of grid pattern bubble thing. Yeah. That, I mean, was that CG or was that yeah, an overlay? Like, yeah. Or, I think or, we're really getting it? to that phase. I know you say it's mainly Series 7 after they've had like a production gap and it's later on in the 90s where, you know, we start seeing more obvious cg if you like but i I do wonder if maybe toward you know in this series we maybe might start seeing very you know subtle examples of it being implemented i still think starbug was a model from what i could tell the shots Mm. we got of it Uh, but yeah it was just the space station i really could every time i saw it i was like i really can't tell and if it was cg maybe that's a brit box thing because i know we've discussed before wasn't it in some of like the special, like the DVD releases or something? They updated some effects, or was that for TV repeats or something? I like think that. that. Well, I think they re-released some of them on VHS with some updated uh, effects, but I'm not right. I'm not exactly um, an expert on what what was done or for which versions. Yeah, that's fair. Well, very convincing either way. So good job, prop makers and visual designers. Yep. And when they when they get to this lovely glass filled 
um, lobby, they find they meet Legion, who is some kind of half, well, he looks kind of robotic. We don't really know what the nature of him is, at least. And he sort of immediately upgrades Rimmer. Yes, he is a, what was it, solid, what was it, solid? Hard light. Hard light, that's it, yeah. Hard light hologram, he can touch things. Yeah, a very clever way to give Rimmer a body. Yeah, I really like the joke from from Crichton here. Puncture repair kit on standby, sir. <laughs> Referencing back to I can't remember the name of it, but it, but basically, uh, Rimmer's sex doll, inflatable yes. sex doll that he has yes. that has been referenced a couple of times, way back until like series one, I think it was mm. first mentioned. It was one or two, but it has a name and I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I like it's it's those little moments of continuity references. Yeah, that I love about this show. As as we've said before, Red Dwarf can do subtle continuity references so well. Um, Legion himself, bless him with the sort of green morph suit he had on. Um, But, you know, 90s BBC budget. Um, I thought of two things when I saw Legion. My first thought was, ooh, this feels very Fritz Lang, who was a German expressionist filmmaker. Some people might know the film Metropolis from the 1920s. Yes. the ro- it, I don't know, it kind of gave me that vibe. It but has then that it also kind of made me, to it. It does, but then he also made me think of Chameleon from Doctor Who, who, for anyone who knows, is not exactly the most uh, technically advanced design. It was the 80s, man. But I don't know, it was just part, maybe it was the fact, you know, it was the grey and the sort of like mid, like the chest thing he had, that sort of gave me some Chameleon vibes. But I thought it was a cool design, a very unnerving design as well. And I think that's because the eyes were just, you know, like black holes. I always find yeah. that's unnerving in a in a creature or a robot. You know, if there's no eyes, if there's nothing to like connect with, I find that un- in the good sense. You know, I think it works. The design works. The um the actor that played him had to be sewn. The costume was so tight that he had to be sewn into it. So once Bloody he was hell. in it, he, he was in it until the end of the shoot. So... Uh, avoid liquids <laughs> i assume and don't be claustrophobic no god otherwise you're stuck but um another interesting fact about legion is that the first choice to play him but unfortunately he was unavailable was stephen fry oh okay interesting uh, i can see where they were going with that because the kind of he does have the kind of voice he speaks with legion is that kind it does have a kind of stephen fry-esqueness to it i think it, it it does in a way. I I got more vibes of hearing it. At first, I thought it might have been do you know an actor called a Gabriel Wolf. Ah, uh, it doesn't ring a bell. So, uh, okay, it's my, my main point of reference. Uh, for anyone who might know the name, he voiced uh Sutek in Doctor Who in Pyramids of Mars. He just had like a very low, very like bassy voice, and Le- you know, Legion sort of spoke with that calm. Uh, bait, which again I thought was great because it added to like the whole unnervingness of his design. I really like mm. the fact he sort of always kept that very calm, very slow delivery. I don't know, it gave me Gabriel Wolf vibes. Um, but I believe it's actually played by a man called Nigel Williams, who I thought did a fantastic job uh, throughout this. I thought he he was fantastic. Um, and yeah, and I noticed as well when Rimmer got his body, he also got a change of outfit, which is now blue does yeah yeah still quilted which is a uh, you know a, dis- <laughs> yeah. a disappointment but um alas i do like the blue though suits him it does um yeah it's still quilted on the plus side he you know i suppose he'll keep nice and warm when they 
Uh, when yes. the power goes on Starbuck, when they're running low on supplies and they need to turn the heating off. Oh, absolutely. He's well, well, he nice and warm. I also thought, Not that I, I don't know if he feels the warmth, but he does feel apparently with his new hard light, he does still feel pain. He can't die, mm. but he feels pain. Virtually indestructible was the term. Yeah. And, um, but Legion does this for, well, he can fix multiple characters. Like he, he took out a list as appendix, which I must admit, it was the last thing I expected, and it, I thought it was great makeup work, though. Yeah. Interestingly, apparently, again, I'm going from IMDb's trivia section here, mm-hmm. but Lister had mentioned back in um, Series 2 episode, Thanks for the Memory, that he had already had his appendix removed. Hmm. So uh, apparently in one of the books, um, I think it's the last human book, Doug Naylor explains this by saying that due to a freak of nature, Lister had two appendices. Of course he did. Of course he did. The books are in a separate continuity, which we'll discuss when we get to the books. We're oh, in the middle of reading the first one It's not one, one of those franchises, is so, it? Um, it's not one of those franchises where it's like, oh, well, there's the main continuity and then there's another well, continuity. Well, I think, I mean... It? We're reading the first book now, and I think I'm further are, ahead than you are. And I don't know how you, far you, yes, are, you are, but it's it becomes pretty obvious that it's not the same continuity just by okay. the way things happen. A lot of it is, we'll get to it. We will do an episode on the All books right. at some point when we finish we shall. reading them. We shall. So uh, it'll be coming, I say soon, but it, however long it takes us to read them. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's set in a different continuity. It, so. I mean, it's possible maybe he had two appendixes in this in this continuity as well, but he just never mentioned it. Absolutely. Yeah, just, um, as I say, just great makeup work, uh, very surprising. Um, but yeah, he tries to make them all at home, doesn't he? At least, yeah, right? he, he, well, because we get the lovely meal scene um, where he's, mm. I can't remember what they called it now. It was a particular type of cuisine that is eaten uh, yes. with a particular type of chopstick, which... <laughs> Led to great physical comedy because these are chopsticks which you basically have to levitate the food into your mouth. And just seeing them yes. all try to get to grips with this and, you know, trying to move the food into their mouth and they're not quite getting it and they're chomping into the air to try and get it. And then the food goes flying mostly into Rimmer's face, which now he's a hard light hologram, uh, actually hits and yeah. splatters all over him. Uh, yeah, I just thought this was a great lot of physical comedy in this scene. Yeah, the food scene was brilliant, and I love those chopsticks. I love those in my <laughs> house. What great props. They they were just great props as well. Um, but yeah, as you say, great physical comedy, expressions on faces. It was, yeah, it's what Red Dwarf does well, physical comedy at its best. And they invite him to, they invite Legion to, because he's like shown them all this fancy art that he's got he's shown them that you know all the technical achievements and and like being able to develop the hard light hologram yes thing uh and they think the red Court dwarf dwarf crew think oh he'll be he'll get us home really quickly back to earth so we want him on our ship so they invite him to join the crew yes. which as rumor points out they've met you know, several other creatures over their 31, time. 31, re- to be precise. <laughs> 31, was it? Yes, 31. Because that's how many episodes there have been before this episode. So even though technically they didn't meet something else in every single episode, I don't think. Yeah, this is what I was going to uh, ask you, because I couldn't remember. He said it, and amazingly, my first thought wasn't, oh, that's how many episodes there have been. I actually thought, 
oh, have they actually encountered 31 different... Because I guess that's feasible, so I don't... But obviously that's not true, because as you said, we've had episodes where I don't think they've encountered anybody, uh, so that can't be correct. Uh, Let's just assume they're having off-screen adventures where they meet other things that we just don't know about. Oh, yeah. With the continuity of this show, any... Yeah, anything's possible. So (laughs) Anything and everything is possible. Um, But Legion turns them down and says he can't leave. And not only does he turn them down, he then says, actually, you can't leave either. You're my prisoners. I'm keeping you here. (laughs) Yep. And he does it with that calm, which again, I love this reveal of like his true intentions. Like, yeah, some could argue you like could see it coming, but like it's the, that calm, it's the calm delivery with what's going on really makes it work for me. I love uh, characters or like villains like that. They don't have to like shout all the time or be bombastic. They just need that nice, calm, but slightly unnerving tone to their voice. So I think they nailed, if that's what they were going for, they nailed that aspect, if you ask me. Yeah. And it's not a bad, you know, it's not a bad prison for them. They're all all given their perfect rooms to be in, uh, you know, fulfilling their every desire. Mm Mm-hmm. No Doug uh, McClure I'm trying to think what was in the rooms Lister. now, but yeah, no Doug McClure albums. Who, who is in, in who's Doug who's Doug McClure? I don't know. I I, and, I was uh, some... it, I was like, is that a real person or is that someone we've invented? <laughs> I it sounds like the kind of reference that would be a real one. So I'm guessing yeah. it's somebody that maybe is a, is an artist that because yeah, cause listens to. We've had this before, haven't we? Where they've said names and we've both gone what. <laughs> yeah Maybe well one of us knows what it is and the other one doesn't but this time it appears neither of us have heard of Doug, Doug McClure yeah so, if you know who uh, Doug McClure is let us know in the comments if you're listening let on us YouTube know. yeah please and uh he has some some trainers in the fridge uh yeah <laughs> sure nice that sounds cool. sounds about right why not yeah. why I do not? love the fact that um Crichton's perfect room was like an absolute mess with mud all over the walls and loads of ironing to do because so that he can clean it because that's that's him living his best life is him cleaning stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. It it seems like it's what he was born to do and he he relishes doing it. So, hey, fair play man. Fair play. You go for it. We never but again, we don't find well, we don't find out Rimmer's either really, but we don't find out the cat's room. Again, the cat doesn't the cat doesn't get the explanation that's true actually yeah what would have been in cat's room it would have been lots of fish to eat probably uh, or to catch and eat um, and probably lots of women lots of women a nice wa- a huge walk-in wardrobe huge wardrobe yep. yeah yeah and we don't see rimmers do we but his would probably be oh I'd, well very maybe like militaristic you know all organized and all his quilted uniforms and all yeah. that jazz but yeah, I, I, so Rimmer doesn't get it either. But again, we mentioned this before. When something happens to all four of them, that's like a unique experience. What was the what was the last one? Was it was it even last week where there was one where three of them got an explanation and then Cat just a, yeah, it was last week, wasn't it? The series six episode one where Cat just it, you know Lister comes out of cryogenic sleep that's it, and yeah. um, Crichton's been explains what he's doing. Rimmer explains what he's doing, and then Cat just appears. It sort of feels like that again, and it's like, why, why are we doing this, man? Like, yeah, why? they are still, yeah, so they're making some progress with Cat in terms of giving him more stuff, but he does still seem to be a little left out still on things like that. Yeah, just a tiny, it's get, like I say, it's getting better by all means, but yeah, he's still, a little bit, a little bit more progress would be, would be nice. One thing that 
Um, and I don't know if I just picked up on this because I've seen the episode before and therefore, even though I didn't, I don't always remember exactly how things are going to play out because sometimes it's been like a decade since I've seen some of these episodes. Sure, I didn't sure. exactly remember how it was going to play out here until the this thing happened. Uh, and then I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happens, isn't it? So I'm curious to see if you, having watched this for the first time, also picked up on it. But did you pick up on when Legion starts to get drowsy when he mentions the others are falling asleep? And did that make you, did that what might be going on? Honestly, no. I did I did pick up the moment where he sort of like stumbled before he spoke and then left. But I, I honestly thought that might have been something to do with him, like his own, you know, life force. I thought, right, are we going to learn? Basic- yeah, so I guess I, I was like, this is something that makes him tick, but I didn't necessarily clock it was related to do with the, with the boys from the dwarf, so to speak. Yeah, because I remember at that point I was like, "Oh yeah, he's somehow linked into them, isn't he? Something to do with how when they sleep, he sleeps, or when he like their personalities merge into." But I think I couldn't quite remember exactly what it was. But I remember yeah. that that prompted me to remember like the general gist of it. Um, but I was curious whether or not that would have been picked up by somebody watching it for the first time. So, sure. um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so they get to the, they get back in the morning and they're all exchanging their stories about their perfect rooms and stuff, but they, they decide they need yeah. to break out of here because Red Dwarf is getting further away and they need to catch it and you know, get back to earth. And they plot a plan and Rimmer asks, has anybody seen Revenge of the Surfboarding Killer Vampire Girls, which just sounds like it's a title made by James Corden. <laughs> oh yeah because it, it what was that film was it les- lesbian, lesbian vampire, vampire killers oh <laughs> uh, i remember getting that film for, it was itunes used to do this thing every christmas it was like 12 days of christmas and they give something away free every day you know a song or uh, an app you know something like that and one year they gave you the movie lesbian vampire killers for free and my god, it was awful. It was such a bad film. I've never seen it, and it looked don't, terrible. Don't. And it came it came out sort of around that time when um, him and Matthew Horn had also just done a sketch comedy program, which yes. was which I did watch. And yes. oh my word, that was terrible too. Yes, so, it was. <laughs> I, 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 oh. knowing how terrible that was, I was like, I'm not watching this. The one thing that might make me watch that film is the fact that it's got Paul McGann in it. <laughs> yeah, but even he, like, he's great. But then you just sort of remind yourself, like, my God, like, you're in lesbian. Like, what? Why? Why is it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it, Phil. On even for Paul McGann, I wouldn't recommend wasting ninety minutes of your life on. So life here's on. the question, though: What do you think is a worse film, <laughs> Lesbian Vampire Killers or Revenge of the Surfboarding Killer Vampire? Oh, Girl? definitely Lesbian Vampire Killers. I'd watch the Red Dwarf on any day, any day. Yes, but they plan to escape him by basically, uh, what is it? what do they put? It's like a balloon or a paper mache head over like Lister's clothes or something. Yeah, they they make up like a fake. Lister to to fool him while he then is really going to attack him from behind. But of course, Legion knows that's going to happen because as is very Mm. quickly revealed, Legion takes off his mask after thwarting their plan and he's got Mm. bits of all of their face. He's an amalgamation of all of them. But it's only come into existence when they've arrived on the ship, which explains why he wants to keep them there because he will stop existing if they leave. Yes, yeah. And you get a very cool amalgamation effect of all four of them. Like I thought, again, for the 90s, that was 
that was pretty decent i thought it looked pretty good yeah it did yeah it looked it looked yeah. very horrific like it yeah it, like something it looked like something that would actually give you nightmares it was the way they were all kind of meshed together with like the eyes were different heights and the, you got like a bit of Crichton's angled head and then yeah it was it was very creepy yeah exactly and it just added to that whole sort of what i said before about legion's like creepy design you know just how like it 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 just adds to that completely so yeah no i found that pretty cool and actually when we start explaining legion's back you know he starts explaining how he's doing it basically um and i just i i found that really fascinating you know i love delving into like why that sort of concept Uh, yeah i thought for a dwarf it was pretty it was a pretty cool idea for a villain yeah i it's it's a really strong idea and i like uh i thought it was really cleverly done and the way they then decide or the way they work at Crichton, i think is the one that works it out how that they can actually defeat him and get away because knowing also that when they were tired he started to to flag as well Mm. they know Crichton works out that he can knock them unconscious and he will lose that bit of his personality. So he knocks mm. uh, Lister out. He then knocks the cat yes. out and tries mm. to knock <laughs> tries to knock Rimmer out, but Rimmer can't be knocked yeah, out. Yeah, with a fa- with a fantastic gat, was it? Oh, I'm going to do the Ionian nerve grip. And then he's like, oh, there's no such thing as an Ionian nerve grip. Now let me punch you or something. Yeah, and he smashes him over the head with a punches him he grabs a metal pole and it's just whacking him with it um there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff in this that he tries to do there was a, a reference in the uh, imdb page that refers to this being slightly inspired by i don't know if you've ever seen it the early 90s uh rick Mail uh sitcom uh what's it called I forget, it's suddenly gone out of my head um bottom Bottom, that's it. Have you heard of Bottom? Oh, heard, heard of, not seen. Heard of, not seen. Well, there was a reoccurring thing in Bottom where Rick Mail's character, Richie, and uh, Adrian Edmondson's character, Eddie, would like have these prolonged, almost comically too long fight scenes where they would just be like right. smashing things against each other and neither of them would get knocked out. We basically would always be like doubled over, panting, like out of breath. And they're still trying to like, and like grabbing each other and slamming each other's a door on each other's like really over the top and overdone. Um, and there was uh, uh, an implication on the on the IMDb page that that inspired this, but I don't know what their source is for that. <laughs> no, that's fair. Who knows the sources for anything? But yeah, that's that's an interesting little connection. But apparently, uh, Robert Llewellyn had appeared in an episode of Bottom. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh... Yeah. Oh, fun little connection there then. One thing I um they do eventually, by the way, get Rimmer out, not by knocking him out, but but he disables his own light bee, and that's how they remove yes. the Rimmer one. Yes. One thing I will say about the whole thing is though <laughs> Legion had put his mask back on after he did it to yes. took it off to reveal yeah. to them what he was. But when they're doing the knocking out and the first time they knock out Lister, or possibly when they knock out Cat, it cuts to Legion. And he just conveniently takes off his mask again, 
basically to show the audience what's happening but it's like why is he <laughs> yeah. taking his mask off again what, what yeah like, from a character perspective from an in-universe perspective why sure, is he taking sure. off his mask again but it's basically yeah. so that we the audience can see it absolutely we need to be we need to be clued in and i did notice the, the solution and we've had this a few times now another episode where the solution is down to Crichton's intelligence and what he knows yeah. we've had a few of those and i'm not saying that's a bad thing because you know that is his character. He's like the intelligent one. He often knows more than the rest of them, and that that helps out. But I just wouldn't want that to be like the become like a recurring trend too often. You know, I'd rather it be like a team effort or something completely random. Um, yeah, I just yeah, I don't know. Again, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Yeah, I was just like, oh, it's another one where it's Crichton who essentially saves the day because of what he's fig- using his intelligence yeah. basically and then it's it's also Crichton that saves the day because afterwards after all the other three have gone from legion's personality he's left with Crichton's personality and Crichton is programmed to always mm. look after the welfare of the humans and his crew so therefore mm-hmm. the legion version of Crichton is compelled to help them back on the ship and away I thought it was a clever, clever way to get out of the episode. Let's get out of the sort of plot. Yeah, yeah, it's a clever way. And I, when, once they're back on Starbuck, I, I've just completely slipped from my mind. Is Rimmer still hard light Rimmer? Or has he gone back to being a regular hologram? Um, well, you'll have to find out in future episodes. No, I, but like his costume, I couldn't remember. I can't oh, remember if I he was still rem- wearing the blue or if he was wearing the red. But... He's wearing. No, I'm not sure. Oh, that'd be, see, that would have been a clue, probably. Probably would have um, been, I just yeah. didn't clock it. I should have done that. But but yes, I'll wait and see. I'll I'll see. Because when it happened, when he became hard light, I thought, ooh, there's a good way to give him you know, a body, a form. Because that must have been so difficult to write these past five seasons. The fact that, yeah, you know, they, as we said, they eventually got rid of the clause of like, oh, it can only be... He can only go off the ship if he's in that cage thing. They got rid of that. And then, but it must have been so hard to, you know, constantly write where he can't, you know, he can't touch, can't be touched. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That must become hard to do after like several seasons. So if this is a permanent thing, I'm all for it because it was, it was done in a, you know, it didn't feel like a cop out. It was just, it was done in a very clever way. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I agree. Um, the last little bit of the episode is basically that we find out that they also convinced um legion to give them a star drive which is nice yeah they've hooked it up and everyone apart from Crichton is convinced it's not going to work because it never does for them and here's one instance where Crichton is definitely not the most intelligent person in the room because he is completely wrong when he's enthusiastic and going sirs haven't we learned over the past two days that if we all pull together we can become greater than the sum of our parts that if we are of one mind and one intent there are no boundaries to what we can achieve this star drive is going to work. Do we believe? We believe. Do we believe? We believe. We believe. All the others are spot on. It definitely doesn't. Well, it kind of works, but it just star drive just kind of goes off on its own and bursts out the side of a ship. Yes. And, the, and the, I'm, the space vacuum effect looks awesome. It does. I yeah. Because the episode whole, ends with yeah. them all kind of clinging on, trying not to be sucked out of the ship and joking. Well, yeah. And Crichton says something like, oh, it does work then <laughs> it does work yeah yeah and then, then it kind of ends yeah i'm, I'm gonna presume um, that they managed to not get sucked out into space there um i mean the fact we've got like six more series to go yeah i'm gonna assume that, that they were okay but um yeah i again i like the fact it sort of ended on a 
not the very end, but we're sort of on another pseudo cliffhanger. You know, obviously they meant they mention again the fact that they're hunting after Red Dwarf. They want to get it back. So there's always that constant reminder, isn't there, throughout the episode of like, oh, we've got to get Red Dwarf. We've got to yeah, get back. Yeah, because they they say the Star Drive would have helped them catch up with Red Dwarf, but it's not, not to, to be. be, unfortunately. Not yet, um, anyway. Yeah, no, excited to see where we where we go next. But that's Legion, isn't it? Really, at the end of that, it is. So, so let's move on to our regular features. Mm. Um, we always pick a, a favorite character mm. and a funniest yes. moment. Do you have a favorite character from this? I episode? do. I'm, I'm. I have to give it to Legion. Uh, Nigel Williams again, as I said, does a great job. I. I just thought everything about his character worked. Uh, the voice lent to the design and vice versa, and like the, as I said, the his origins I found really fascinating, and it was a great character, clever concept. Yeah, I just loved everything about it. You know, I always wanted to, once he was introduced, I always wanted to see him on the screen. I wanted to learn more constantly, you know. So, um, and a great villain in Red Dwarf. One of, in my, one of my favorite villains, I think, or, you know, even if he's just in this one episode, um, I really, I've really taken to him as a villain. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to Legion. But what about you, Phil? Uh, absolutely the same. Yeah, Legion is the, uh, yeah, my pick for the f- my favorite character this one. For many of the reasons... Same reasons as you, like I say, he is probably the most interesting villain we've had so far. A lot of the other villains have been good and been menacing, but they've been very one note, possibly. Yes. This this one feels like there's a lot to him that it's just quite interesting. Um, There's Mm. definitely, I I would love to see him again sometime. That would be really good if they came across him again or came across another version of him and do something like slightly different with the story rather than repeating yeah. it. I don't know if that's... I don't know if there is any... Because would it just play out the same if you have the exact same crew meeting him again? Uh, who knows? Yeah. But well, th- 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 I'm going to go with him as well. They might. That's almost like a tease. <laughs> no, not not at all. But, uh, well... <laughs> Need you say more. Need you say more. But okay, fair enough. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's the first time in a while that we've picked a guest character as our favorite because a lot of the time recently it's been one of the main yes main crew yeah some have came some have come close like i know i think i to one i nearly gave it to when he was in it timothy spall or did i give it to me to me oh i yes. can't remember i think you might have done that I might might have have the last done. time that you gave one to a guest one yeah I mean, he was good. I think it's but... been even longer since I, <laughs> I have. But... I mean, it is hard, isn't it? When I mean, when the main four are as good as they are. But um, yeah, just in this instance, yeah. this was very much Legion's episode, I think, you know, as it should be. His name's, it's the title. So Yes. Uh, what is your funniest moment? Uh, well, the, fo- the food scene came close, but um, it's going to have to be the bulb gag. We have to change the bulb. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm surprised at that because having sort of been vaguely aware of it, I thought maybe it wouldn't have been um, as funny, but I don't know, just hearing it. And I was like, yeah, this is actually really good. Like I, I really enjoyed that gag and I can see now why, you know, so many Red Dwarf fans quote it, reuse it because it, it's just a great gag, especially with that blue alert setup as well. So yeah, that's going to be my, my funniest moment. What about you? Yeah, well, I had two and one of them was that one as well. So I'll probably pick the other one just to get a bit of variety in there. But but that one oh, is also right. brilliant. And like you say, the the light bulb gag 
I mean, these are probably on equal minutes. The, the, there's two moments where I laughed out loud, basically like really hearty laugh out loud. And I was surprised that this, that the light bulb gag made me laugh so much out loud as well, because I've heard it so many times now yeah. and I know exactly what was coming. And yet yeah. the delivery on it was so perfect that it, the way Crichton says it is, it's just like, it's perfectly delivered and it's yeah. a greatly, brilliantly written line. The other one, so I'll pick it for variety. Um, I'm going to put the uh, the light switch being mistaken for a piece of art by ah, Rumor, which also okay. made me laugh out loud. And not so much the fact that Rimmer mistook a light switch for a piece of art, which is a little bit funny in itself, but it was <laughs> it was it was Legion's reaction when Rimmer asked if he could buy it. I couldn't buy it then. Not really. I needed to turn the lights on and off. <laughs> And just the, it was just the way, the very one note way that he said that and very matter of fact way he said it that just worked perfectly. Yeah. And it, I think Legion's response to it is great as well. You know, he's like, oh, what, what's this? And he's like, that's the light switch. Like, it's just that very calm, like unreserved tone. But no, great, great pick. And the last thing we do, of course, is give it a mark, a, a scutter rating out of 10 scutters. Talking of the scutters, we now do. they're off Red Dwarf. No more scutters. Yeah, they don't, they don't seem to have moment. gotten any of them onto, um, <laughs> onto Starbuck. Starbuck, yeah, what a shame. Bye bye, scutters. But we're still marking out of scutters. So, how many we scutters are, are. out of 10 would you give this episode? I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, which I know is a bit lower. Um, as I said, the first, and basically until they meet Legion, um, this episode just, just wasn't really doing it for me. Again, um, I'll stress, I don't think it's a bad episode. Um, but as I said, I think just the first chunk of it just felt very like run of the mill. Uh, it didn't really feel like it was going out of its way to try and make me laugh, if that makes sense. Um as I say, I think the energy was down in the first half of the episode, just from a viewer perspective. Um, but as soon as we get to Legion, everything picked up. Like, Legion's great. It lifted everyone else. The food scene's brilliant. The resolution's really cool. Um, so basically, as soon as Legion's in it, I'm all for it. But yeah, I don't know. Just those first five, six, seven minutes just weren't really landing for me. And I was really worried that the whole episode was going to be like that. Um so yeah, being honest, I mean, it's still a seven. That's still okay. But yeah, I know it's one of my lower ones. But yes, I, I'm going to stick with that. Stick with the seven. That's interesting. Uh, this may be the furthest mm. gap we've got between our two scores yet, oh. possibly. Um, so oh I, I didn't mind that opening bit at all. Um, I thought like it's got the light bulb gag in it. <laughs> it's there were there were some really good oh, gags. Yeah, okay. In there. Bar one or two great yeah. gags. Yeah, bar one or two um, good gags. And there were but, you know, I, and the bits that even weren't the great gags, I. I thought were were fine as well. Um, and then we get to the Legion and it goes up even another notch. Uh, so I'm actually going to give this a 9.5. Oh, wow. So okay. that is, that is that the biggest perfect. difference I wow. think we've had between uh, our scores possibly. Goodness me. So far. Yes, that must be. Wow. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to say. That's. <laughs> Damn. There you go. Well, hey, two different perspectives. Exactly. There you go. That's the it's, whole point, right? Yeah. That's, that's why we it's, do it. It's interesting to see what somebody, uh, what somebody else thinks of an episode that, you know, where we've got such different views on it. Well, different views yeah. on a part of it, at least. Absolutely. Um, well, there you go. That's Legion. Let us know what you thought 
in the comments below if you're on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, let us know, are you more veering towards my ranking of it or Adam's ranking of it? Which uh, mm. do you think? Uh, or are you completely different and you actually absolutely hate this episode? And you're down in the below fives. Yes. <laughs> Who knows? Let us know in the comments below. Um, we'll be back for another episode next week as we crack on with Series 6. We should have no. another guest reviewer next week mm. as well. Fingers crossed. If yes. all goes well. Yes. Um, and and in the meantime... Out, you'll have to come back. <laughs> yes. Actually, we'll probably announce it on Twitter by the time this episode comes probably, out. Probably, yeah. But you should still come back anyway. We'd like to yeah. come back. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on the interwebs, Adam? Where do you want to find me? Well, I have a YouTube channel, Adam Martin, with a Y. I do Doctor Who videos. I do videos on classic TV presentation and history. I do videos on that's what I call music. I do I do it on a variety of things, really. So you can check me out there if you want. And on Twitter, it's just Adam Martin AMTV for daily ramblings. But what about you, Phil? Uh, well, I've got my YouTube channel, which you may be listening to this on, possibly one of the many places it's available. And uh, that's just Philip Hawkins. Uh, talk about all sorts of pop culture, a lot of Doctor Who and other things as well, like Star Trek and the MCU and things like that. So that's come great. and find me there. Yes. And, and you should also course, follow our Twitter account for the part. I think we're exactly, going to say the same great thing there. Think alike. Yes. Yes. It's all dead Dave pod. You can give us a follow there for updates on the show, announcement of special guests, uh, the occasional meme and gif. We do like that. And, you know, and we like to engage in a bit of discussion with fellow Red Dwarf fans, too, about various things or what the actors are up to or what they have been up to. So, yeah. Yeah. If follow. you don't watch us or listen to this on YouTube where there is a comment section and you listen to it on some platform where there's not a comment section, then find us on Twitter and let us know your thoughts about the episodes on there instead. Well, that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you later.